Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. So TGL has been so much in the news of late. We thought that we would take time to just say, what is the TGL? Now, we had told, uh, told you about this earlier where Tomorrow Sports, which was formed by Mike McCarley, the former president of Golf Channel, alongside of Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods, that is the first corporation that was put together. And from that came the TGL. And there have been many, many prominent people that we have been told that have invested in what is Tomorrow Sports slash TGL. You can see some of them displayed there on your television screen. And that's just from the world of sports and entertainment that have invested accordingly. So the question is, what is TGL? So the first place that I'm going to go to to try to explain what this is, and then we're going to get into some of the announcement that they've made this past week in terms of timeouts, et cetera, et cetera. Stand by as far as that goes. This is from the website, and this section is titled, This is TGL, a new way to experience golf. TGL presented by SoFi is a new professional golf league combining advanced technology with top players from the PGA Tour for a two-hour weekly competition in prime time. Six teams from six different cities will go head-to-head in a season-long competition at SoFi Center, a first-of-its-kind venue built specifically for golf on the campus of Palm Beach State College. TGL incorporates innovative tech with virtual and real-life elements with matches airing live on ESPN and ESPN Plus from January. And then they go on to say they're going to continue to update the page as more information becomes available. Now, of those six teams, we know that five of them have already been named. I'm going to bring Dom in to talk to me about the who's on these respective teams that we know so far. But as I mentioned to you, they also talked about format uh, this past week, and we will get into the format. Session one being uh, holes one through nine, and they're going to be playing in triples, three of the four members in alternating shots. And then session two, holes 10 to 15, 15 being total, it will be singles, and it will be a match play uh, as far as that goes. You can see it again there on the graphic. They call it modern match play. They'll be playing 15 holes over these two sessions. Triples will be nine holes, and singles will be six holes. Each hole is worth one point, and the team with the fewest shots wins the points. Ties are worth zero, and there are no carryovers. The team with the most points after 15 holes wins the match. If tied, overtime is a three versus three closest to the pin competition. All right, so let's first of all dive into who is a part of this. We know who is not a part of this. John Rahm just a few days ago announcing that he is not going to be taking part in this first season of TGL. He was very respectful about it. He just simply said, to paraphrase, that it's not working out in his schedule. So John Rahm is not part of the TGL in its inaugural season of 2024. The question is, Dom, who is part of TGL? Who do we know so far is going to be part of the competition starting in January? We have a list of all the players who are going to be in the league minus John Rahm, of course, now. But only six of them have been identified as being on specific teams. The Los Angeles Golf Club team has gotten Colin Morikawa as sort of their figurehead. The Atlanta team has gotten Justin Thomas as their figurehead. And the Boston Common team, which we heard from, is Roy McIlroy, Adam Scott, Terrell Hatton, and, of course, Keegan Bradley. So the rest of the players are still yet to be determined as to which teams are going to be on. There will also be six teams, and only five have been currently announced 
as of right now. So we're still awaiting word on that final team coming up. And then I think Andrew has a graphic from ESPN showing the actual air times and the dates and times for the very first event that is currently scheduled. You can see right there on your screen on ESPN and ESPN Plus, Tuesday, January 9th is week one of this competition. And this is right around the College Football National Championship, Matt, uh, by the way, which is, of course, by design. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that the times will vary accordingly because they're they're working around live sports coverage on those respective days. There is a preview show on Saturday the 30th on ABC, and then that first competition that Dom talked about on the 9th taking place uh, in the evening and on the 8th. Uh, let's see, Dom. Give me again the the actual times. You have a, you have a graphic that, that I can't see. Do you have the times on ESPN? Tuesday, ESPN Tuesday, January 9th is at 9 p.m. and the second week is at 7 p.m. Um, okay. One of the issues one of the issues that they are going to have with this, which is I'm sure very unsurprising to all, is scheduling. You're going to have four players each week traveling from all over the world. They will pick three of the four to participate in event proper for each Monday uh, event and getting their schedules to coordinate. I mean, you might have guy, you might have a guy playing in Abu Dhabi and then you'll have another guy playing in San Francisco and they're finishing on a Sunday. They've got to get to this spot in Florida. And that is a complicated mess in terms of scheduling. Now I have heard that they have enlisted the services of Ross Berlin, uh, who formerly of the PGA Tour, who was in charge of like all the guys scheduling forever and a lot of the travel stuff and all, everyone on the tour knows him, trusts him, etc. But I think it's his job is going to be getting all of this to work out so everyone can be where they need to be when. And that's going to be complicated, to say the least. Okay, so we get into the technology that they're talking about. The first thing, because we keep being told, and Rory McIlroy told us at the press conference earlier this week for Boston Common up at Fenway, that it's not just all about interaction with the screen accordingly. The first a category here, and again, this is from the TGLgolf.com a website screenplay, which they described as this is when the, our players hit into our giant 64 feet by 46 feet simulator powered by full swing players hit from tee boxes with real grass fairway rough and sand into the screen for all tee shots and approach shots from inside approximately 50 yards. They transition to green play. Let's talk about green play for a second for anything inside approximately 50 yards. Again, players move to a physical custom built green play area, larger than four basketball courts within a 3,800 square foot putting area. There will be a 15 foot by 27-foot virtual green by full swing. Each will have 189 actuators, is, uh, if I'm saying that correctly, and jacks that allow for the slope of the green to change, creating new looks for each hole. Now, Dom, earlier this week, they also had an announcement that they were incorporating some elements into TGL that come from, I guess the way to phrase it, other sports, to use the phraseology that Rory was using earlier this week. Uh, it includes, as I mentioned, timed out, timeouts, etc. What did you hear? What do we know of these various elements so far? Uh, they're going to have a shot clock which is interesting. Uh, I believe it's 40 seconds. They're going to have timeouts like in any other traditional sport, and there's gonna, you're going to have a, like an actual referee, like an NBA ref or an NFL ref who's going to be there sort of keeping an eye on things, if you will. All the players will be mic'd up at all times. So they're, they're trying to make this, as Rory said, just be very different. It's just they're, they're trying to make it a completely non-traditional form of golf, if you will. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes, obviously it's in its infancy and we'll, we'll get a sense as January rolls on a few events in the book, in the books, we'll get a sense of what it feels like. Is it fun to watch? Are a lot of people watching? How different is it? You know, is, is it gonna, I think, I think the biggest issue that I imagine is that it's gonna be hard to make it feel authentic. I think urgency, which is important in sports, it's going to be difficult to manufacture. So it'll be interesting to see how, how that sort of folds into it. Again, just to make sure that we have complete clarity on the broadcast schedule, the preview show is scheduled for Saturday, December 30th 
on ABC. Tuesday, January 9th at 9 p.m., the coverage will be on ESPN and ESPN Plus. And then Tuesday, January 16th at 7 p.m., the coverage will be on ESPN, ESPN Plus once again. There is still much that we have yet to know. Know your game like you've never known it before with DeWiz Golf. DeWiz Golf is an incredible wearable device that is very much a swing monitor because of the data that it generates. It's based on neuroscience, and it measures your golf swing in real time and in real space. And once all of that data starts to come back, all of that information, it becomes a swing modifier. Know your game like you've never known it before so that you can play golf like you have never played it before. Check it all out at DeWizGolf.com. Stay with us. Relax. Easy now. Find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! <laughs> Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses, all set alongside world-famous scenery. And visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Fill your heart with Ireland at ireland.com forward slash golf. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the Bridgestone Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try Bridgestone's Tour Bs. The Tour Ball reinvented. The Gen 6 Iron is a culmination of everything that we have learned as a team. The absolute best golf club I have ever hit. It's something special. Say hello to the new PXG Gen 6 Iron. The longest, most accurate irons we've ever made. They go higher and farther than any iron that I have hit to date, and they're so easy to hit. Super excited for the consumer to try this. They're going to love them. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Baseball? Nah. Football? Done it. I think I'm going to go after the PGA Tour. Bo, you're going to need the right equipment company. I think I got that. You know Tour Edge backs all their clubs with a lifetime warranty. I know. They ship all their premium custom clubs in 48 hours. I know. All their premium clubs are hand-built in the USA. I know. You know Tour Edge has won 35 times out here. Guys, I know. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One zero one gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. The Wiz have really helped me to keep that consistent swing. You can go out there on your own and just hit balls, and it'll fix your golf game. Transition on plane. The Wiz sold exclusively at thewizgolf.com. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show. Pleasure to have your company as always, folks. The Charles Schwab Championship is underway and the PGA Tour champions. And one of those players that will be a part of it is Dickie Pride. Uh, he made the cut in all 24 events that he played in this year. He finished in the top 25 16 times. He had seven top 10 finishes. He secured full status already for next year on the PGA Tour champions. He finished 17th in... The standings, I think it's absolutely awesome. He's obviously playing some great golf. Dickie, welcome to the show. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I like you showing those old pictures of me. I'm a lot smaller then. Uh, looks like I'm <laughs> like almost in shape. Your play right now, what, what clicked? What changed? Was it just about some of the physical uh, ailments that you had to deal with, or did you just find a groove? Uh. There were a couple of things, but the biggest thing I think was last year when I finished uh, Richmond, which is the uh, 
old, the Dominion Championship. I finished 58th on the Schwab Cup, and that puts you basically in no man's land. You go to Q school. And I was as heavy as I'd ever been, and my wife just looked at me and said, you, you don't have a clue as to how much you were eating. You're eating so much food. And, you know, I was heavy. I didn't feel good. And I really worked on my portions, portion control, basically eating the same stuff, but less portions. And, yeah, I lost 30 pounds by the time I got to Hawaii. And Whoa. it really made a difference. Uh, the other side of it is I started with my launch monitor Every time I warm up and cool down, uh, I start at 20 yards and I have to hit my numbers 20, 30, 40, all the way up to 150 before I, you know, so I warm up with wedges and cool down with wedges. And once I complete hitting the right number, uh, then I hit a couple of five irons or rescue and a, and a driver and I go play. When you lost the 30 pounds, Dickie, which is awesome, by the way. Congratulations for that. Um, did it change? Well, I your... found 10. You found 10, I, you I said? I found 10 of it through the year. I found 10 of it through the year, but uh, we're going to get back to work on it after this. Uh, did, did you, in losing that weight, though, did it change your ball shape at all? Oh, I just think it made it so much easier on my body. Obviously, it was a lot easier to turn. That's one of the big things, which, you know, you feel like the, it's almost like you feel like the heavier you are, the more you can put behind it. But in actuality, you can turn a lot easier. And so you use your big muscles. So I compressed it a lot better, a lot more consistent. I probably gained a little distance, not a whole bunch, but a lot more consistency. And yeah, I've, I've played the entire year with a torn meniscus in my right knee. Uh, I wasn't able to have surgery last year because... Uh, I had to go to Q school, and then the time, just the timing didn't work out for the recovery. Uh, so losing the weight, that's a, that helped tremendously on my knee because you know, every time you step, if the, high, the more weight you have above, the more impact it is on your knee. Were you? So I think that helped a lot. Were you inclined? Were you a stress eater? Was was any of this way that you were that you were consuming food a a, a reflection of what was going on in your world at large? I would have to say yes. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, but yeah, sure. I had a lot of stress going. I had a lot of off the course stuff going on that uh, was distracted me from golf. Uh, some personal things that, you know, just took a lot of time and a lot of energy to get through. And I'm through those as well. So life's good. When, when you're out there competing now, as we mentioned, you're finishing the top 20. You're now into the playoffs. You're, you're, you've got some legends mixed in amongst there. How is your mindset? Uh, what, what is it like for Dickie Pride to compete today? It, 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 do you go out there now unafraid, uh, not intimidated by anybody that you're up against because you know what you can do? I mean, I guess that's one way to put it. I... I <laughs> I mean, Matt, you know me. I'm so self-absorbed. I'm just thinking about myself. I'm not worried about the guy I'm playing against. Uh, I, I really just, when I turned 50 and, and you know I had surgery, and for the people that don't know, I had surgery on my thumb and, and I had torn a ligament in my thumb and had to have my thumb fused, it kind of made it where I had one shot. I couldn't do it as much with the golf ball and with my swing just because of the way my body set up. And... I just went in with the attitude of this is what I can do. So let's see how well I can score with what I have. And when I played the tour, it seemed like I was always trying to change and improve, even if I was playing well. And part of that is youth. Uh, part of that is trying to get better. But, you know, at 54, there's got to be some kind of acceptance of, you know, I, I used to could do that, but I can't do that anymore. So I better hit the shot I can hit. 
Smart. That that's that's really smart. When you hear everything that's going on in the world of golf today, there's a lot of talk this week because the new Boston Common team for TGL was announced. We know that there's discussions between uh, the public investment fund and the PGA Tour about a merger. We know that we have signature events coming up on the PGA Tour with massive purses, etc. Is there any part of Dickie Pride at 54 that looks back and goes, "No, I'd I'd like to be playing." the the regular tour today as a young guy in essence starting your career over or are you happy with the path that you had the time in which you competed i am thrilled what is i'm like i think i'm like every golfer i'm thrilled with what i've done in my career but i'm also upset that i didn't do more uh as far as playing i mean i i you can't change time i would love to play with those huge purses they have right now i mean there are kids out there they're going to play golf they're going to sit there families up for the rest of their life with one good year uh you know when i won when i finished my rookie year on tour at sanderson farms which was the first year of that tournament i finished tied for eight and made twenty thousand dollars and thought i'd made money and i mean if you finish in the top 10 now you're almost making a million dollars so it's a completely different world and but the world yeah. dicky that you were in when I think about when you started to play and the crossroads that you have had with legends, it kind of blows me away. And, and I say this from, from the context of still how young you are at 54 to have been able to play golf with people like Arnold Palmer, uh, one of the all-time greats of the game. Kind of, it, It's amazing to me. Do you ever think back and, and kind of shake your head and go, I can't believe that, that I numbered Arnold Palmer amongst my friends? <laughs> yeah, I am uh, thankful every day for Mr. Palmer and all that he did for me throughout my, you know, throughout my career. Uh, when I graduated college, I moved to Orlando and joined Bay Hill. I've been a member for 32 years now, and I can remember sitting in his office asking questions and on the golf course, on the driving range. and him helping me and giving me advice, you know, teaching me how to be a professional. But you know, I had other ones too. I had Payne Stewart, I had Mark O'Meara. They all lived in Orlando. They all took me under their wing, showed me stuff. Scott Hogue, gosh, old Tim Simpson. I played Tim, played with Tim Simpson in Q School the first time I went through. And I played a practice round with him in Hawaii the first year. And he's like, okay, kid, you got to start doing this. I mean, you just had so many great guys like that. I got to meet Mr. Nelson. I got to, you know, Mr. Player, Mr. Nicholas. I knew Mr. Nicholas from Gary from college. You know, we played against each other. We're the same age. And, yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. You know, Tiger I, Woods was a, was a kid I played against. Oh. And it was, I played in U.S. Amateurs with him when he was a junior. You know, I've known him, you know, since he was like 15. So, wow. yeah, it's a pretty amazing little thing. How about that bridge? You literally just went from Byron Nelson and Lord Byron was, <laughs> was born in 1912 to Tiger Woods, who still, while it's rare because it, because of his body can st still pops up uh, playing in regular PGA tour events. And I guess uh, all of you guys collectively are, are keeping your hands firmly pressed together that, that he keeps that enthusiasm and moves on to the PGA Tour champions just a few short years down the road. Uh, I want to ask you, while, since we're on this subject, because you're, you're absolutely fascinating me with it, do you remember the first time that you had a chance to kind of interact with or play golf with Jack Nicklaus? I met Mr. Nicholas when I was in college. He was out watching Gary uh, when Gary was uh, was at Tech, and we were playing regionals. And he came out to watch Mr. Nicholas, and Mr. Nicholas came out to watch Gary. And that's trying to play, you know, golf in college with Mr. Nicholas following you. Who's, <laughs> if not the greatest, he was definitely the greatest of all times at that time, and you can make the argument that he is now still. Uh, there's debate on that with, with Tiger and all, but yeah, that is, that's intimidating. <laughs> I think he enjoyed it. I think he was like, yeah, go ahead, Gary. This guy can't play because he's scared of me. Wow. That is crazy. How about, uh, what was your interactions with and playing golf with? And I'm curious if, if how much you got a chance to play competitively alongside of Tom Watson. I played against Miss. Yeah. 
I played against Tom. It, it's funny. The bridge is Mr. Nicholas, Mr. Palmer, and then Tom because I played in competition with Tom. Uh, we played. We played at the Byron Nelson one year, and you know, even in my bio from when I first got on tour, it was who was your who was your, fa your favorite golf star? And mine was Watson because I loved how he was just so aggressive. Uh, and I, I saw him play a lot more competitive than I did Mr. Palmer because of my age. Uh, we played at the Byron Nelson. It was Sunday early. You know, we didn't play very well, and we were like fifth or sixth group off. And we went out and played, and my, you know, I, I was just losing it because I was playing with Tom Watson. And I remember I shot 66, and he shot 65. Whoa. And we finished and i said well Mish, i said well tom i really enjoyed this uh, i said it's been a dream of mine i've always wanted to play with you except we were supposed to be at augusta and i was supposed huh. to beat you by one and he says well there's next year kid you know yes sir there is how and cool. then i actually saw him in the locker room afterwards and i said mr watson i said you know do you have any advice you know do you have any you know anything i should do and he he gave me a synopsis of my golf game that was just like, oh, my gosh, he was paying attention, you know. And uh, he hit Bruce on the bag, which was fun. And I, then I think uh, it was that that was the year that he came back and won the Memorial. I think it was like 96 or 97. He came back and won the Memorial like a month later. And then I saw him and he was like, it was that round at Byron Nelson's when I started figuring it out and started really having the good feels to play that. So that, that was always nice. But he was, oh. yeah. Boy, he hit the ball so good, cool. and I've got I've gotten a lot out of his teaching. I remember reading his short game book when I was in high school, playing high school golf, and then his book. I used his. I still have his book, The Swing. Uh, I think it's the classic swing, whatever it is. I've got it in. I, I look. I re reference it all the time, and there's one section in there that's talking about the spine angle and how to what you need to do with your spine angle. I've used that a lot, and I still to this day. Uh, go bend a coat hanger to work on my, you know, you put a coat hanger in the, you'll have to see his book, but you bend a coat hanger and you put the ball in the center of the coat hanger on the ground and it helps you keep your spine angle consistent. Uh, I actually did that last week in Boca at the Timber Tech Championship because I was moving off the ball because we had so much wind I got moving. So I, I, I've done that a lot with Mr. Watson. His, uh, his instruction, not directly to me, but through his books, has really helped me a lot. All this stuff is head shaking, my friend. It's fascinating. How about uh, Lee Trevino? <laughs> did you did you come across Mr. Trevino in in your travels with any kind of regularity? I I used something Mr. Trevino gave me at the beginning of the year. I've built it all year. Uh, last year at Awala Live, we played the first tournament, and then we went back and did a. Uh, we did an outing at Kohana Iki and Mr. Crenshaw and, and Mr. Trevino were there. And I mean, well, you know, Lee, it, there's always a show going on, right? So there's, you know, you just <laughs> sit and watch. And Doug, Doug Barron and I, we were, and, and Parker McLaughlin too, Parker, we were all sitting there. We were like videoing everybody. You know, we would, we would sit down and be like, okay, Doug would look at me and say, I'm going to go talk to, to Ben about my putting. You got a video. Okay, fine. So I would sit there with the phone, the video, and he, we'd go vice versa. And we you know, we all exchanged them. You know, so McCarron and all, we were all there. And there, I, I, I have videos on my phone from that that I reference back. And actually, uh, the Chubb Classic this year that I, I finished fourth. I got an exemption at the beginning of the year, really kind of set the year. I finished fourth there and really propelled me. Uh, I was milking something that you know, Trevino told me about, well, that he was telling all of us about. Uh, chipping and, and basically having your left wrist, you know, buckle. You know, he has the, you know, the mule and the cart. And if, you know, your left hand's the mule and your right hand's the cart, if that mule stops, that cart's going to run it over. So you got to keep leading with your left side. And I, I just loved that. And I, I used that. He started about the chipping, but I was kind of getting in front of it and, and doing that with my full swing. And I used that the entire time at the chug as my, at the chub as my swing thought. And I could just hit this like little cut the whole time. So I was almost out there trying to like almost impersonate Trevino when I was playing. 
Absolutely fascinating. You mentioned uh, Gary Player when you were initially running through the list of some of the legends whose paths you have crossed. Uh, any pearls that you picked up from Mr. Player over the years? I haven't spent as much time with him. I've sent, uh, I've, I've never one-on-one like I did with Mr. Palmer or, or Mr. Trevino or Mr. Crenshaw. Uh, but, you know, he's, you know, again, again, Gary's, it's a show every time, but you've got to pay attention because if you're, if you get, if you get caught up in the show, you don't pay attention to what he's talking about. And when he starts talking about it, then you're like, wow, that, that's really good. Uh, I could sit and to this day, watch him hit bunker shots, just the way he, yeah, obviously one of the greatest bunker players around ever. And I, the, the thing that always stood out to me was when he hit bunker shots, because he had it way back in his stance. And I, I didn't understand that, but he got through it with such speed. You know, the speed through the ball in a bunker allows you to put spin on it. And his you know, speed through the ball when he hit bunker shots was just amazing. And talking to him about it, you know, he just he had a he just really had great hands and a great feel to get through there. And uh, yeah, he he'd go through the same. You know, I'm telling you this. You know, yeah, it's it's fun, but you really, I mean, to this day, you can still watch him and, and, and learn stuff. I love how Mr. Player always walked through the ball because he stayed behind it, but then got his right side through the ball. And that's something I always find. Now, when you mentioned that you had met Byron Nelson, I, I know it's it, usually with Mr. Nelson, you know, it's a handshake and it's nice. It's it's an honor to meet you, sir, type of situation. Did you get a chance to go anywhere, anything deeper than that? Did you get a chance to actually speak with the legend? Uh, we, yes, during the tournament a couple of times. Uh, I had lunch with him one day. Oh. And you know, he was, you know, I, I, I mean, I was the guy. I would sit down and talk to him and just start talking to him about, you know, it was mostly about life and, and how, he's do, how he was doing. And, and, and Miss Nelson, Peggy, she was, she was always great to me. Uh, I, I, in 2012, I finished second there and got to, you know, with her and, you know, Jason Duffer made a 20-something, 22-footer on the last hole. It was great birdie to win the tournament. And I was, they had the cameras on, I was standing with Miss Nelson when that happened, so that was interesting. But I, I didn't get to go real deep about golf, and, and but I got to listen to him talk about life, and that was pretty good. Have you, uh, since you've been a, a touring professional, have you ever asked another tour pro for their autograph? Well, Mr. Palmer, yes. Uh, someone I can play. You know, I actually, I it's funny. When Bernhard won the U.S. Senior Open this year, I think Century, uh, I finished sixth. I actually went out to the, I told, we finished and everyone's like, oh, let's go. You know, this is so big. It's a great deal. And I said, Cam, I got to go back to the green. She goes, why? I said, because Bernhard's about to win this. And it's going to be, he's going to, you know, surpass Hale. And it's the U.S. Senior Open. I think it's the coolest thing ever. I actually have one of the Odyssey head covers from that week. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask him to sign it. I just hadn't done it yet. And I, you know, but, uh, and I want that just for me because I think it's just the coolest thing. I've never, I've never been like an autograph guy. So I don't, I don't really think so. I know I have some stuff from Mr. Palmer, uh, but I don't think I've ever asked anyone. I've, I've asked stuff for like, to, for charity auctions and stuff. Amazing. Absolutely amazing stuff. An incredible life that you have etched as yet. And it continues, of course, this week, the start of the Charles Schwab uh, playoffs. Before I let you go, though, Dickie, today, you know, we always ask you about your sponsors so we can spread some love there, too, and say thank you to you as you say thank you to them for making all this possible. There you go. Stevens, you want to tell us about who you're associated with? Uh, Stevens Incorporated out of Little Rock, Arkansas, their investment and uh insurance and everything else you can imagine financially they're just a great company that has taken excellent care of me uh vortex optics that makes they make optics for the u.s military and binoculars and we're coming they're coming out with a golf rangefinder here uh in february that i'm sure you'll see at some point uh insperity human resources for every uh, for all all companies they're, they're huge on the champions tour and they've been very gracious and great to take care of me 
and Ronald McDonald House Charities. Uh, I represent Ronald McDonald House. They're a phenomenal organization that do great things for families when they need it the most when their kids are um, sick. So that is a blessing to be able to help Ronald McDonald House. Absolutely. Love your passion. My friend, we're so proud of you, and we wish you the very, very best in the next few weeks going forward, then, of course, through the holiday season and into 2024. As ever, Dickie, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you, Matt. It's good to be on. All right. More coming up in the Fairways of Life show right after this. I guess, hello world, huh? <laughs> and with one subtle hello, Tiger began an amazing and unthinkable career. I've done it for 20 years now with, with Bridgestone. It allows me to play an aggressive style around the greens, and it's allowed me to win a lot of tournaments. Bridgestone Golf, proud to be part of your journey. Boeing Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boeing Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boeing Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to boeinggolf.com. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One, zero, one. Gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. The Wiz really helped me to keep that consistent swing. You can go out there on your own and just hit balls and it'll fix your docket. Transition on plane. The Wiz, sold exclusively at thewizgolf.com. Easy now. Find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! <laughs> Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. What if we started a company and the company was under no time constraints, no financial constraints? The one constraint is their clubs had to be exceptional performers and much better than any other alternative. I was told time and again, it'll never work. It worked like a house of fire. And I'll tell you what, I think our customers love it. BXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Zero Friction introduces the Wheel Pro Push Cart Golf Bag with its revolutionary three-in-one design, supportive legs that spring into action, a comfort grip handle with three locking positions, accessories for the modern golfer enhanced by seven pockets for more storage, and removable all-terrain wheels which slide right into place. The new Zero Friction Wheel Pro Golf Bag checks every box for every golfer. Push, carry, or cart, the decision is yours. Thanks to Zero Friction. Head to ZeroFriction.com today. So team golf has very much been in the news of late, obviously with the news of the negotiations that we learned about in June between PIF, the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia, who owns Live, team golf, and the PGA Tour. And then there was the union that we found out sometime before that, that the PGA Tour is aligning themselves with the TGL. The TGL is the product of a union between Mike McCarley, who was my former boss. He was the president of Golf Channel. And he put together Tomorrow Sports alongside of Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods. And what they put together is what's called TGL. Now, this graphic that you're looking at on your screen here is an array of some of the investors that have, have invested in what will be TGL when it's all said and done. So I'll get into the details of TGL in just a second, although I think a lot of them are going to flesh themselves out because earlier this week in Boston, in fact, at Fenway Park, members of Boston Common 
got together, those members being Keegan Bradley and Terrell Hatton, Adam Scott, and Rory McIlroy, to talk about representing the city of Boston in the TGL in this new league. So we start with that, with the enthusiasm that is the local product in Keegan Bradley. Well, first off, I want to thank everyone for coming. Um, if anybody knows anything about me, my most proud aspect of my life is where I'm from, being from New England. Uh, I went to school 20 minutes from here. My family still lives here. I grew up as a kid wanting to play for the Boston Red Sox, the New England Patriots, the Boston Bruins. That was never in the cards for me, but I, I was better at golf than anything else. I never thought I would have the chance to play for my home city. And Anybody that grows up in New England knows Boston's the capital of New England, and Fenway Park is basically the cathedral of New England. And to be able to come here, go down to the locker room just now, and and feel the history of Fenway Park. Um, my my wife's uncle is Carlton Fisk, so to see his name, his number retired up there, to walk by Fisk Pole in right field. Um, just everything about this place is special to me and playing for this city and this region is really something that I, I carry with me throughout the golf world and um, I'm just really proud and really thankful for Fenway Sports Group and, and everyone that's here for the opportunity to do this and we're, these guys are going to get to feel what it's like to have this city behind them playing sports and in my eyes they're the best fans in the world and we really look forward to it so thank you so much. All right, so real enthusiasm from Keegan Bradley talking about his association now with the city of Boston, representing Boston for the TGL League. It's called the Boston Common. Now, Rory was talking about how Rory McIlroy, and in that case, Terrell Hatton and Adam Scott, too, uh, have a connection to the city of Boston. And in Rory's case, it's a little bit different and a little bit deeper because Boston is such an Irish city. Here's Rory McIlroy on that connection. There's a lot of Irish in Boston. So for me, I feel like I've got a natural connection to, to the city in that way. Um, you know, we've all played, uh, we've all played tournaments in and around the city, whether it be out at TPC Boston, obviously at, uh, at Brookline last year at the US Open. And as Keegan said, I think Boston sports fans are, are some of the best in the world. And, um, you know, hopefully they all get behind us and they get behind, um, you know, this venture and, and obviously tune in on Monday nights and, and see what it's all about. I think, you know, whether it be the Red Sox or, you know, the Bruins or the Celtics, I mean, you know, there's not a ton of Bostonians that are playing on those teams either. So, you know, you're, but obviously they're, they're playing in this city. So I think, yeah, we have to make a really big effort to connect with, with the people of Boston. And, um, and we're going to try to do that, you know, whether it's coming up here to Fenway, whether it's trying to do that through a TV screen on a Monday night. Um, but I think really just showing pride of, you know, who we're representing when we're playing. I think, I think that's the, the important thing. And why we will get into the details of what the TGL is uh, in terms of how they're going to conduct themselves. You just heard Rory talking about uh, on TV on a Monday night. It will be on the ESPN platforms. Here is Rory McIlroy at that same press conference talking about the goals of the TGL. So I think trying to appeal to um, a wider sports audience, you know, we're sort of trying to bring that courtside at a basketball game type of feel to to golf in some way try to try to let the the fans that are at least in the arena um get closer to the action i i, I would say and then for for the people that are tuning in at home having having us mic'd up having us be a little more interactive i mean you don't i feel like when you watch a a regular pga tour event um you're like a few step removes from from removed from us in terms of you you're not you know you might pick up a couple of conversations here or there but you're not getting right in on the action and i think that's important i think that's uh you know maybe that speaks more to the the traditional golf fan in some way but i think what we're trying to really do here as i said is is um yeah broaden the broaden the demographic and and you know if we can get more people watching golf and if that means that they'll go out and try to play the game um and we can increase participation and you know i you know i sometimes struggle with the grow the game like phrase but you know it really is that it's trying to broaden 
broaden the demographic as much as possible. So like, for example, today we've got the Netflix cameras here that, you know, the full swing season one for, for us as golfers went really well. I think more than any other time in my career, you know, casual golf fans or people that you wouldn't really class as golf fans coming up to me in the street saying, hey, we love you on full swing and not saying, hey, I, you know, I watched you win a golf tournament last week. It's sort of a, it's a, it's a, it's a cool thing. And I think if we can just sort of broaden that, um, sort of that view and, and give, and I think as well, give people a different perspective in terms of who we are and it humanizes us and gets people closer to us and we can start to tell stories around it. I think that that's, that's important. All right. So Rory McIlroy was talking about the objective of broadening the demographic. Uh, Rory was talking, obviously, about TGL as a team format, in this case representing the city of Boston with the four uh, players that I mentioned. It's going to raise the question of the comparison between Live Golf, which one of their stated goals is to broaden the demographic of the game, and Team Golf is very much an element of what Live Golf is. Here's Rory on the difference between the two. So, again, I think this is meant to be complementary. It's not meant to be disruptive in any way. Um, so whenever Mike brought this idea to Tiger and I, I think one of the first things we said, well, if you're going to do this, you know, we're going to have to try to partner with the PJ Tour in some way and really try to make this complementary. Um, so I think that's the, that was the first thing. This wasn't adversarial at all. It was, it was trying to, um, how can we be additive to the entire system? Um, and I think when you look at, again, we're not pretending to be, we're pretending to be competitive and it's a different type of golf, but it's not the traditional golf that you see week in, week out. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to sit here and talk about live, but, you know, I think you could make the argument that they haven't innovated enough away from what traditional golf is, or they've innovated too much that they're not traditional golf. They're sort of caught in no man's land where this is so far removed from, from what we know golf to be. All right, so that was the press conference with the players, and it went on for a while and discussed various things. However, Rory McIlroy and Tom Werner, Tom Werner is the chairman of uh, the Red Sox. Uh, the, the, all of this took place at Fenway, as I mentioned. Uh, he's also part of the Fenway group that owns the Red Sox, uh, Liverpool Football Club, the Pittsburgh Penguins amongst their major assets. We know that they're one of the companies that have put a bid into the PGA Tour. What exactly they put a bid in for to invest in is unclear. However, those two gents that I mentioned were on CNBC. And on CNBC, they tried to get some clarity as to what all of this means. We're joined now by the founder and chairman of Fenway, Tom Werner, along with Roy McElroy. Should note as well, NBC Sports will be a founding partner of the Boston Common team. Gentlemen, welcome. It's good to see you guys. Good to see you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Tom, I'll begin with you. What was the draw here for, for Fenway, which, which also comes, I believe, if I have this right, with an equity stake in the league itself? Well, we feel very strongly that this is a terrific idea. It's innovative. It fuses traditional golf with, uh, with uh, simulated golf. And, you know, one of the things that I learned during this process is as many people played indoor golf this last year as traditional grass golf. And we're being partnered with Rory, who is a transcendent figure in golf, and, a, and an idea that I think will be uh, resonant not just with traditional golfers, but with a lot of new golfers. So, so Rory, help us understand the, the golf fans out there. What exactly viewers are going to get uh, when they tune in this product on, on TV? What should I expect? Yeah, so I think um, I think whenever it's been branded as as simulated or simulator golf, I think that does it a bit of a disservice. It's going to be a lot more than that. Uh, I think, as as Tom said, we're trying to bring the game of golf into, into the 21st century. You know, I think a lot of people will um, connect with the fact that we're playing indoors. It'll look nothing like traditional golf. It'll look more like a, an NBA game, hopefully, and sort of trying to give people in the arena that, that courtside experience. Um, you know, we're going to be playing in a, in, a, in a simulator screen, I guess, but it's going to be 60 feet high by 60 feet wide. and. Um, and I think just to give more of an insight, you know, it's going to be team play. You're going to have the players interact against, uh, amongst each other a lot more. 
you're going to try to take some elements from other sports into into this team play so shot clocks and timeouts and things that we don't tradi traditionally have in golf and really just trying to bring bring the game to a different demographic different demographic whether that be other sports fans or our fans that um you know aren't into golf and training on a, on a monday night in prime time and uh and you know hopefully we we can uh we can have it speak to them and and they like it and uh, and we go from there but uh, you know I, I hope that everyone's excited about it as i am because i think it could be a really cool thing for our game so tom we have five of the six teams uh, already filled atlanta boston la new york san francisco we're expecting one more do you know when we should expect that and how much these franchises cost um, I don't really want to get into the financials, but uh, I think shortly the other teams will be announced. But we feel excited because of the connection that, that Rory and, and his team have to Boston, that uh, we're going to create rivalries that uh, will be resonant for, uh, for most sports fans. You know, I'd, I'd like to switch our attention, if, if I could, uh, Tom, with you first, because it's been reported recently that Fenway Sports Group recently made a large bid to invest in the PGA Tour. We know about the framework agreement, obviously, uh, that exists now between the Saudi PIF and, and the PGA Tour. Of course, that story was broken by my colleague David Faber um, here. Can you confirm, in fact, that that bid was made by, by Fenway Sports um, and how much it was for? Well, we don't really like to talk about things that are uh, in discussion, and really we're here to talk about uh, tomorrow golf and this team, and anything that we can do to help Rory or the PGA, we're happy to offer our support. Can, can you offer up what kind of conversations you may have had with the, the PGA Tour? I mean, there's considerable interest in this story. Um, we followed it closely again since it was broken first on, the, on this very network. What, what are you willing to say about the interest that Fenway Group might have uh, in the future of the PGA Tour? Well, we, we just want to offer our support uh, creatively to uh, any of the ideas that uh, are, are welling up. But it's really up to the players to decide the direction they want to go. Uh, that'll be interesting because uh, it is our understanding that on the 12th of November, the players, those represented on the board, will be getting together to talk about these respective bids that Tom Werner uh, is discussing. That was courtesy of CNBC. Before that, as you could see, the video came in courtesy of the New England Sports Network, Nesson, our, our affiliate up in the Northeast. I did think it was interesting that... The uh, CNBC anchor was saying that NBC Sports is a founding partner of Boston Common. Uh, the coverage of the TGL will be on the ESPN platforms and ESPN and ESPN Plus. I'm curious what a lot of these different things mean. Questions that are out there uh, yet to be answered. Your questions about what TGL is is something that we're going to try to answer right after this. The Fairways of Life show is presented by the PGA Tour Superstore. They are the number one golf retailer in all of the land. Whether you swing it, whether you wear it, whether you learn from it, you can find it at the PGA Tour Superstore where you will be shopping with the pros. That's why they are number one. It is your happy place.